my groove today Been watching rain skies move away I just don't think that I can lose And I might just take a cruise and let the sunshine play Something more, something new, something new Hello everybody, a Monday as always, uh, the Approach Podcast, glad to be here, glad to be with you Drew. Drew, how was your weekend and then your fourth round on a Monday? It it was good. I do have to say it was pretty hard to be productive at work today. Um, yep. <laughs> and I got into like a call where it took me away for an hour and everything just kind of flipped on its head. Um, but yeah, talk about a long, long week um, and not as much golf as we wanted on Thursday and Friday. But I think it, it ended up, you know, working itself out and it was it was enjoyable. But I had a great weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, I can't complain. Uh, selection show was yesterday. We're in you know, I'm in Kentucky here. This is a big time of year for us. Uh, so looking forward to that. But just, yeah, kind of a, a crazy tournament in a lot of different ways. Um, a whole lot to dissect. One unfortunate event that, uh, well, the weather was a big unfortunate event. But what that causes is we don't, as of right now, I don't think, we don't have the pricing for Valspar. So this will be a little, little interesting. But we do want to give a shout out to our boy David, who was on the show a couple months ago, just just took down the Millie Maker, and so walking away with uh, with the million. Uh, congrats to him. Uh, yes, yeah, he, he, he was on here, and that's you know that that that's so awesome. We're so kind of happy for him. But uh, I, I think we got to start with the weather. That was um, obviously maybe the big outside of Cam winning the be the the big theme of the tournament. And so yeah, what were you? thoughts about the weather the delays the tea time stacks yeah whatever come whatever is is on your mind yeah i just think like it was one of the worst draws i can remember um mm -hmm. i mean from when we sat here last monday we thought and even wednesday when we met um before we thought we might have an idea of what the weather was going to do and it just kind of flipped it on its head and yeah. you see like those guys when they came out on friday to have to play in 40 mile an hour winds and mm -hmm. rain i mean it was just absolutely brutal and then to flip it you know when saturday when the, when the, the other wave were, was able to get on the course it was cold but the right. wind was down 25 miles an hour so it's just i mean you saw guys like like brooks kepka for example which was two or three under and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden he finishes nine over yeah um, and it was just that brutal and so sometimes you you get a bad draw but man that was one of the worst i can remember outside of like the open championship where I think Tiger got a draw where he shot like 82. Yeah. Um, but yet you just don't see it that often. So, I, I mean, but would I have liked it to be a little bit more even, even plain uh, as far as kind of getting everybody being able to have an opportunity. I, I know that there were some guys in that, that PM wave on Thursday that, that played well. Uh, Kisner was one of them that kind of battled through it, but man, that just takes a lot out of you. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's tough. It's just the, the hand you're dealt. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate. And there was a lot of, um, I don't know what we want to call it, like complaining about, you know, kind of being unfair and they should stop it or change the tournament. But, you know, that that's the nature of, of the beast. And is it right? You know, no. But that's, yeah, it's just the nature of, of the event. And it was I'm kind of un, unfortunate in my end. I didn't like seeing all the complaining because this is like what we know. What, you know, we this is what we get. Uh, we knew there was weather coming in and it was, you know, very tough to predict. I know we kind of said that 
hey, maybe the PMAM wave might have uh, an, an advantage and that didn't work out. And so, yeah, well, then you take your L, but you don't hate on the process or the, the structure of the tournament or anything like that. It just comes with the nature of DFS and betting. But the process worked in the sense of finding leverage of ways outside of ownership. And so some people, uh, and it looks like David with the majority of his golfers had the AM PM stack. And obviously that was the correct one because outside of Gim, and then I think DJ and JT, I know we know had a, a, a good third round, but the majority of the players in the top 10 and 15 came from that AM PM round. And so if that just shows if you did stack that round, the leverage was enormous. So the process of just finding it in unique ways, like one being maybe weather, um, it, it, it's still good. Now, it, again, it's not black and white. It's not going to be true every single tournament. But if you play this tournament again with the same weather conditions, um, or if it's the same this week at the Valspar, you know, I'm going to stack all my line at PMAM. And I, I would do it exactly the same way yeah. just for the opportunity to get the massive leverage that existed this tournament. And so it's just, you know, shout out to the people that did it. I, they should be rewarded. David looks like he did. He should be re rewarded for doing that. And he won the kind of, uh, he won, won the million there. So, yeah. And, well, and again, yeah, like the ahead. complaining, it's for me, I didn't hear many of the actual golfers complaining. It's more of us bozos on social yeah. media that are throwing up a couple bucks on it. Um, to your point, like we, we can only control things we can control, right? If our process was there and we got the bad, we drew the bad straw, then so yeah. be it. And we move on to next week. But but again, to your point, if the process was there, like I saw tons of people like trashing everybody's card because, hey, it might not have looked like how we thought it would, but there's guys right. on my card that I would have played and played and played again. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's just the way it drew. So it's, it's again, to your point, there was leverage there and, and David found it and congratulations to him. Uh, and sometimes we're going to, again, like we're not winning every week. Like we're going to have weeks like this and we we didn't get the right end of the of the straw and and so so be it right and you move yeah. on to the next week there's really and, and it, it, to, to your point of like why are they playing what like this is the tour's baby right it's the mm -hmm. players championship they were going to get in 72 holes and they were going to do it any way they had to uh i mean think of think of friday man those guys got sent out when they teed off it was a monsoon right it wasn't like one of those gradual mm -hmm. things it was like hey you're into it and yeah, it takes it out of a lot of guys and it kind of screws lineups one way or the other, but that's just part of it. And like yeah. the, you know, the just kind of the variance of, of wind and rain and, and all of that put together is why DFS is so great because sometimes you end up on the right side of it, sometimes you end up on the wrong side of it. And regardless of which way it goes, you, you just got to take it and just move on. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope people don't just say like, you know what, you know, fudge this tournament uh you know but you know it's a wash it's it's dumb whatever but, and there's things to take away you know one thing i might take away it just kind of affirms that like you said there's so much variance in this sport and that term is thrown out a lot and maybe a better term is randomness that is just sure. thrown out a lot and so just maybe this was if you didn't have a good week like i didn't uh it's just a helpful reminder that you know, the strokes game data and models and predictions only go a certain way because there's so many elements that of randomness, like weather, wind, draws that are outside of our control. And that's why I love DFS. Um, yeah. So, 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 yeah. Look at the leaderboard, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the leaderboard we got into today. 
when the when the fourth round kicked off, it was like nobody could have guessed any of this, right? It's <laughs> right. Just, it, it was pandemonium. And and you know, I think that the cream ended up rising to the top. But what Lahiri did was super impressive to me today after the double on on eight. A guy that you would think kind of between Cameron Smith and Paul Casey kind of didn't have any any you know reason to be there, but he was like like you saw like and again this is just the golf side of it like seeing what Cameron Smith did making ten birdies right and and like it's just all of it was great. I know what happened on Monday and I know it was for 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 me. I lost my rear end probably like you did too, but but it's there's there's great things you can take out of it. And for me, this is one of those times where I, I always say, you know, you can't use strokes gain data as a crutch. And this is just a great example of that, right? I think the, the process is kind of everything we put in, in, you know, in a given week. And that's, you know, that's game theory. That is strokes gain data. That's kind of our gut play. And we try to get advantages AM, PM. Like we do everything we can in our process. Hey, and this week we were off. But, but you know what? Who's to say next week that process isn't right? I'm not changing anything up. And like I said, I would play most all the same guys that I played, even though I looked silly um, mm-hmm. once that cut was made on what Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well said. And I just want to say one other thing before I move on. And in no way do I feel like I'm an expert in any of this, but one feel like I have uh, competency is the, you know, just the cognitive side, which then correlates to emotional side a little bit, that balance. But point being is that there, I think it was Nelson on Twitter mentioned that if people were getting so upset about the, the, the weather and the draws, then maybe you're likely extending yourself too much bankroll-wise this week. But the other, there's another piece of it, too, that I feel like so many – and whether it's right or wrong, I, you know, I don't know. But so many people invest so much of their own, like, self-worth into what they do. And if, so if you're a golf tout or if you post your pics on Twitter, that, like, each week you feel like, oh, I'm a great person. I'm a great kind of tout. I'm good at what I do. And if you have a bad week, then it's like I'm terrible. And there's no real resiliency there. And so even though if you do this for, uh, you know, your profession or it's just a hobby – then it just shows that one, if you overextend yourself week to week, or even just one week bankroll wise, or if you have your, uh, some sort of identity wrapped up in this where it's compromising, you know, how, how you feel, well, well that is actually going to make you, well, I, I sh- maybe I shouldn't say it, but what evidence suggests it makes you have poor decisions. And then if we have poor decisions and our decision-making process is flawed, well, then likely we're not going to handicap well or play DFS well. And so it's just a good thing to be maybe be mindful of that if I'm basing my own self-worth and if I identify as a golf tout and if I have a bad week and then I'm going to self-shaming myself or if I overextended and I lost more than I should have, that is really going to compromise your abilities in DFS and handicapping. So just one thing I wanted to throw out, maybe not even relevant, but uh, no, yeah, definitely something to note. And I think one of the things that you do so well, and I think people appreciate it, is from what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you bring that into DFS. I think you do a really good job of that because you think about things that other people aren't thinking about, right? The mindfulness, people getting in too deep. And I, I think one of the things that you saw this week and probably a lot of the upset people on Twitter where, you know, when we look at golf tournaments that we handicap, we DFS on a yearly basis, this one's up there, right? 
Like people mm-hmm. want to play big in the players, right? And and it just happened to be that it was kind of an out of whack week. But to your point, like if if it's if it's to the point where you're stressing and it's got you kind of you know hating everything, then maybe mm-hmm. that maybe we're we're kind of in too much and we need to take a step back a little bit. Because I also think like at the same time that we like to make money, like this is this is supposed to be fun, right? Like we love golf, we love watching golf, and this just adds that that extra element to it. And so, like, there was times where I'm looking at my card and I'm looking at my DFS lineups and I'm like, yeah, this isn't great. But at no point was I like, I hate this golf tournament, right? Like, Like, we got screwed over. And it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't creep into my mind like that. Because again, I think the, the, the reason most of us do this is we just enjoy doing it. Like, right. Like, I love the process of going through you and I hop on here on Monday. We kind of talk through things. Then Tuesday, you know, you start kind of thinking of how you're building, you start building a player pool. Like the whole process of the week is, and I don't want to say it's like better than winning, because of course it's not, but like I just love the entire process of where I gather my information, what I think about, like deciphering from X and Y, like all of it put together is what makes this enjoyable. Um, and is added, you know, winnings and added element to it, but you got to enjoy the process. And again, if you have a a week where you lose it all. Like you, you just you laugh it off and go to the next week. So if you're having a week where you lose it all, and then you have those those thoughts that you mention running through your head, that's not beneficial to anybody. And I think that's also taking a step back from what we're doing and what we're trying to, you know, have a good time and, and, and you know, hopefully have success and, and help other people do the same. Yeah, no doubt. And and if there are people who are more results driven out there who are whether they're doing this for a living or it's like a, a side hustle where they've made a you know positive ROI last few years, um, it, it's still wise to you know you know when we say mindfulness that mindfulness has so many definitions, but it, in this case I'm just going to use it as an example of taking kind of a personal inventory inventory of of yourself and your own internal processes. And so yeah, if if this tournament really kind of messed messed with me, whether it's overextending or it kind of make me feels like, gosh, my comp, I mean, my handicapping ability is compromised or my decision-making is, I, I don't know what to do, you know, then, okay, I'm taking inventory. That's how I'm feeling. I'm just being aware of that without judgment. How might that influence positively or negatively my, my strategy and approach to, to the Valspar this week? Because what can really, really happen if, any one of those gets compromised. Well, then your process gets compromised. You don't get stay consistent, and that's not true with deep just DFS. That's you know any you know human ability or behavioral pattern. So yeah, yeah, life. And so let's. I mean, we're not you know we're not here to kind of talk talk all about that. Uh, but before we kind of get into the Valspar, any other final thoughts? Uh, I know I, I kind of like what you said of the burger. Hovland and Damon kind of situation that happened on the back nine. You want to speak on that or anything else? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll bring it up. I think it's super one, super interesting anytime this comes up and then to have it kind of mic'd up for almost five minutes. Um, It's, it's hard because for me, when you saw the golf shot and you saw how it was cutting, I would, I would stand with Berger with kind of where he wanted to drop, but you could tell he wanted to make sure the other two people in the group were comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like either way, Berger could have dropped where he thought his ball went through. There's not right. much that the other two guys could have done. Um, I just think it's extremely interesting, especially when we talk about the purse that they were playing for, right? Like you're arguing 60 yards, which may seem you know minuscule in the grand scheme of things, but 
when we're coming down the stretch on a Monday in the final round on the back nine, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. And so for me, that's what I also like about anytime like the PGA Tour live and we get to hear this back and forth between not only caddy and player, but player and player. Um, and this one was interesting because I think, and I could be wrong, I think Joel Damon and Victor Hovland will go back and look at it and say, okay, maybe Daniel Berger was in the right. But again, from, from their perspective, you have to uphold the integrity of the entire field. Yeah. Uh, and I know for a fact, and you can look back, there's been a hundreds of circumstances, it seems like, that there's been a questionable drop or something. Daniel Berger is has his face all in on all of it, whether right. it's Heath drop on, on uh, Thursday or Friday. He's the narc. He is. the narc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, the narc was getting called out a little bit. So, I just think it was super – I mean, you could be on either side of it. I think Berger's the right side. But I think it's an interesting topic of conversation. And just to be able to hear kind of what they talk through and say, hey, I think it was here. I think it was here. Um, the interesting part to me was like they didn't have the video evidence to back up, which we saw yeah. the shot. So I thought that was that was interesting. But, yeah, listen, man, when you start talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on the line, it changes people's personalities and behaviors. Right. And and so. Mm -hmm. Daniel Berger was trying to look out for the best, you know, of, of himself and what he thought was right. And I had at no point at all think that Berger would have any ever done anything malicious. His his history is back that up. He's never been that kind of guy. But but yeah, at the same point, Damon and Hodlin, listen, like they got to uphold the integrity of the field. And and so it's an awkward situation. I'm sure they've all will laugh it off at some point. But but that's the inside info that I just love. Like I love hearing the yeah. back and forth and the banter for sure. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Al. Uh, yeah, maybe, you know, evidence suggests that Berger was right, but good for Damon and Hovland to kind of protect the integrity, which at their at that time they thought was right. Ryan, our boy Ryan brings up a great point, and, and it's something I was considering. Let's move, let's talk about the bass bar. Something I was considering just going over uh, kind of this basic research, and that is the field is great frankly, uh, for just an average PGA Tour event. It's not the, the players, but it's a good field. And we may see some some WDs, you know, likely. I don't think it's going to be a mass exodus like people were afraid of. But if, if you're having an outright, get into especially some of the bigger names and the kind of uh, mid-level uh, odds too, get in them early because yeah, they'll change drastically. If a, yeah. JT, if a JT withdraws, or like a Casey who has exceptional course history here, he, he probably won't because he's won this twice. But if someone like him withdraws, yeah, that's going to swing swing the odds. So you'll get great numbers um, comparative if, if a big name does withdraw early on. So, yeah, Brian, that's a great point and kind of great question. Drew, before I ask you just what your thoughts are on um, Faust Bar and Ennisbrook at Copperhead, let me just kind of go over a few things I found was interesting. It's Kind of what we've seen the last few weeks uh, with these Florida courses that, True. you know, you need to hit the long irons well. The 24% of approach shots come from 175 to 200. That's uh, well above average on tour. The average on tour is just under 18%. Scrambling is very important, which is usually the case when you have a lot of long irons into uh, into the green. we got narrow fairways and some almost not forced layups, but you know, kind of in a way that, um, you know, we can't take driver off off every hole. Um, so fairway is going to be narrow, which is why we see a long irons into the green. Um, seen a lot of interesting players play well here. Again, Casey won back-to-back -back years in 18 and 19. 
19, did it a lot, T to green. Casey finished second. I mean, I got Casey. Keegan Bradley, who just um, had Great a good week. week this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he finished second last year to Burns. He killed it, T to green. Now, Burns is a little different. He excelled on, on the greens. But um, point being is going to have need to have an exceptional T to green game this week to, to contend. So that's my little snippet of, of Copperhead. Drew, what, what are your thoughts on it? I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So over the last 10 years, it's been like 11 under has been the average score to win. Um, tighter fairways. I, you know, and again, this comes down to, especially when we're hitting longer irons in, like being able to control your spin is super important, which is why, to your point, I think the around the green game and kind of short game this week, super important because you're not going to be hitting greens at the clip that you would at, at, you know, uh, you know, any other course, if we think about it, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's one of these things where it's not quite pebble, but we're talking long irons into somewhat small greens. And there are a lot of tightly mown areas offside the greens. So, you know, little rundown areas and things like that. So, yeah, to your point, I, I do think that hitting the ball in the fairway is going to be more important than than typical. And I know that the, the, the rough's not going to be overly penal. But again, we get into this Bermuda uh, and the ball just has a tendency just to want to sink to the bottom. Right. Yeah. You've probably played some some you know golf down south, and, and it, it's it's tough, and then it's tough to judge the lie. So definitely, I'm, I'm going to be putting a lot of uh, around the green in. And you'd think number wise, you made a great point. It's it's 7,340 yards, par 71. So it seems you know decent, decently long off the the uh, you know the overall yardage on the scorecard. But yeah, there's not a there's a lot of holes where drivers going to not be in play, right? Well, and yeah, and I'll, I'll say one one thing too, just speaking on the distance. There's four par threes, um, as it played last year, four par threes that measure over 200 yards. Um, and I think two that go over 220. And so this is, uh, you know, even more scrambling on the par threes and around the green and yeah, long iron. So even though it's not exceptionally long, I mean, it's got a long course, but some of the holes like the par threes and even some of the par fours with how narrow it is, it, it kind of plays longer than it is. And I think that's important to know kind of how the golf course sets up, right? Because you can look at the yardage and, and automatically think in your mind, okay, this is a bomber's golf course. Well, a lot of the yardage, to your point, is on the par threes, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we're we're looking at the par fours, a majority of them are 400 to 450. So that's your your opportunity to score. The par threes are killer, especially when you get to 17. Um, but yeah, not all golf courses are cut out by par and, and distance, right? right? You have to kind of look a little bit deeper. Um, so yeah, that's a great point. Definitely long iron play this week. Uh, to hit on Ryan's point real quick about the WDs, man, it was kind of a grueling week for all the guys, right? Yeah, and so I definitely think that you could you'll probably see one, maybe two WDs up top. I mean, who we have Kawa, Hovland, Xander, JT, DJ, Burns, those are kind of like the main guys that I, I kind of picked up when looking at the field. I could see one or two of those guys backing out. Our guy Andy says Xander's not going to be one of those guys, but. Yeah, grueling week, right? And I know that, uh, what, two of those guys, one, two, yeah, two of those guys missed the cut. Uh, mm -hmm. DJ with a hell of a day-to-day -day course record. Yeah, um, yeah, tied it. Yeah, so you could definitely see that. I mean, I, I honestly think that you saw Billy Horschel t this morning just say he he had enough, right? He, mm -hmm. he said yeah. he had an illness, but it was like, I think he just had had enough, and it's, it's a grueling week, and and that's the thing about this Florida swing where, where I debate moving the the players back from, from May to March. It's just a really, really, really tough stretch of golf, uh, especially yeah. coming off of tournaments uh, on the West Coast Hawaii swing where we're putting up, you know, 25 to 30 under par on a weekly basis. 
this kind of brings guys back down to uh, to earth. And again, when you're getting beat up on a week to week basis and, and it's difficult conditions, it, it wears on you. And so, yeah, I could definitely could definitely see, uh, you know, a few guys and to your point, get in early because the minute of JTWDs, those odds have gone from what would be decent to, to probably unbettable at some numbers. Sure. Yeah. Well, well said. And, you know, and I'm not holding much in the strokes gain data from this past week. Uh, it's just not not relevant at all. Right. Maybe maybe around four. Uh, yeah, just just not relevant. But gosh, the you know, some names that just played well this week. Gosh, really fit well this upcoming week. Uh, JT, gosh, uh, this this just seems like a JT week, uh, J- JT course. This is a seems like a Victor Hovland course. Like you talk about long irons that can hit it close, and yeah, he doesn't have the around the green game, but gosh, his tee to green game and his proximity with those long irons is is maybe one of the best in the world at that. So uh, just a Hovland course. What's interesting is if I my basic model, just to kind of start looking, I use the proximity from 175 approach, scrambling around the green, tee to green. Actually, Munez comes out first, had had a good week. I think he struggled today, but then JT okay. comes second. Yeah, and then and Shane Lowry's up there. He actually is similar to Hovland, where he excels with the long irons, but a lot better around the green. But, you know, Shane had a lot of emotional energy invested this week with the ace uh, on 17, and then you know, kind of hung around this week. Will he be up for it? So it, it's really going to be tough to to handicap. And then you have Sam Burns with excellent course history, played well here, uh, obviously in fits, but didn't play well today. And then last guy I'll talk about, just Casey. He, he could be chalk, and rightfully so, because he's won here twice. He has another top 10. Almost, you know, if, you know, things could have been different if he didn't land in that ball mark on 16. But, it's not uh, even that it wasn't a it, yeah. it wasn't a divot. It was literally no. an impression. Like like yeah. that has to be some of the worst luck down the stretch in a golf tournament that I've seen. I mean, you could essentially call a rules official and, and make a claim for an embedded ball at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just you just don't see that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, lots of those guys that I like, and I think maybe. And let me ask you this: so when you're thinking of this week, what kind of people that may have had a tough week coming into this week, what do you think potentially some of their flaws will be Um, just kind of looking at things? And I know we could talk burns bad day. Um, Are we, are we fading? I mean, if if they're picking a guy at the top, are they going to fade a a Xander or a Morikawa if they had to choose somebody based off form? Do you see anything that you think potentially be uh, kind of a flaw with people's process this week, kind of coming off a rough week where again, to your point, Strokes gain data from last week to me is somewhat irrelevant, and and I don't know when we when we sit here next year, I don't know where if we're gonna be baking strokes gain data at all from this event, and just because of the way it shook out. But I'm interested to see kind of how what happened last week, what kind of advantage or value you know one of us or who's listening can gain from kind of some of the mistakes or flaws people have coming into this week. Yeah, yeah, great question, and I might ask a question back to you here in a second, but. Ryan brings up a great point with Bubba. Bubba, excellent course history, one of the leaders in the field at this course and a number of, of different stats. Hasn't won it yet, I don't think. But mm-hmm. uh, but we saw Bubba have an exceptional round, the round of the day in, in the wind. I think it was four under. and Bogey free. Uh, yeah, bogey free, similar to JT. And then I, I, Bubba's played well 
this year, not so much in, in America, but uh, maybe earlier in the year, but he also um, finished second to Varner kind of overseas. But point being is, yeah, I, you know, I, I like Bubba. If, if you had, if you play well in the wind, you have to be exceptional ball striking because as you know, I mean, you're the, you're the expert on this. If, if you're a little off in the wind, the wind, is magnifies any mistakes because it just grabs. So yeah, if your ball striking has to be on point again, he didn't play well um, in in the round four, but I'm not too worried about that. So Bubba is a good play, but to answer your, your really your question, guys like Xander, not worried about. Uh, I, I would feel great going back to the uh, back to sure. him if you're on him last week, but just just kind of wondering. And again, all this is subjective. You're talking about a guy like Burns or people who were in contention the emotional energy that you have to invest just in a simple tournament when you're in contention is a lot. But then you talk about sitting around and weather delays and you're on your phone and you're just trying to take a nap and you can't, or you're in a hotel room yeah. that, that, yeah, that, that's brutal. And so I worry about those golfers resiliency. If something happens Thursday morning where they get a unlucky bogey, then they can just be dejected the rest of the tournament. Again, it's kind of kind of subjective, so it's really going to be on ownership. But what, what you tell me what you think when when you're kind of exhausted and kind of physically maybe drained a little bit. What what happens with the the golf swing? You know, for me, I know is then here come the tops, here come the pushes. Uh, well, yeah, what do you what happens from yeah from yeah? What do you think? It's easy to get loose, right? Like your golf swing's loose. It's not tight. It, what also happens is it's just a lack of focus, right? You've been mm-hmm. you've been getting just killed. And to your point, when when we talk about like the wind, if you're not hitting the ball on the sweet spot, you, all of a sudden everything's exaggerated, right? You hit a little bit of a left or right ball into a left or right wind, and all of a sudden you look you look stupid. Um, and so I think that mentally, I think mentally it wears on these guys way more than it does physically. But I do think that when things get going in the wrong direction, to your point, they could early on say there's a there's a tough start on Thursday. I mean, it's it's hard for a guy that's been beat up to not just say, hey, let's just pack it in and we'll move on and, and I'll have the weekend off. Um, I know that's not the the mindset that you would think of most of these guys. It's just a mental grind more than anything starting stopping you think you're going to play then then you realize they're not going to play the rest of the day on friday like think of a guy like uh like tom hoagie for example the guy didn't hit a tee shot for 48 hours right he literally Mm -hmm. just went and sat around um so it's 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 more of a mental grind to me and i think it's easy if things start going the wrong way to kind of check out or not go through your process and be as focused as you need to be because this, at your point, this golf course isn't like we're going to a layup golf course, right? You've got to hit golf shots out here. And and down the stretch, this place can make you look silly. So um, it's it, – and I think the thing with Bubba, too, real quick is – and you see this with JT. When the wind starts blowing, those guys are super creative, right? Like Bubba, for example, is, is an artist when he plays. Like he doesn't hit anything straight. You saw JT hitting six iron into 17. That was playing 130. Like that's that the stuff shot. I tune in for. Like that's mm-hmm. what I tune in for, but it's like the, it kind of brings out the best in those guys when the conditions get tough, where they can they're just they're, they like take it personally. They're like, listen, yeah. I, we're all playing in the crap. I'm gonna be better than you today, and it's in that's that's more of a grind than anything, right? Like when you're grinding for pars and you're just trying to survive, man. You finish on a on a Monday night, 
and you know you got to turn around and you have a pro am on Wednesday. Like it's just a lot to kind of to 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 go through, right? And so I think that mentally these guys are probably pretty tired. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why you could see some WDs. But yeah, I think for me, it's it's when you mentally get kind of worn down is you lose focus and then your process gets thrown out. It's not to me so much mechanics of the swing than it is kind of everything else going on in your head. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said. Well, let's let's get a couple just names, throw out some names, and then we'll 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 put this to bed. Again, we're it's a little shorter show this week because we don't have pricing and, and things are just a little crazy. Uh, but I, I'm going to name, name a few. Adam Hadwin has played here, has won here before, uh, had, had a good uh, good sneaky. Sunday today. Yes. Yeah, very sneaky. So he snuck up that leaderboard quick. Yeah, starting on t- uh, 10, too. So, you know, good for him. Uh, I, I, I like Brooks. Uh, going back to Brooks, I am not worried about his performance in the wind. Again, he was like two or three under after round one. Um, that shot on 17 have... when it hit the wind gust and he was oh just essentially God. just slapping. And I, it was, and I think I think that was his second hole of the day into that win. So I just, yep. yeah, not 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 worried about that uh, one, one bit. Um, but I, I, one of my favorite plays is likely going to be Christian Bezaidnut again. Took took a couple weeks weeks off. Excellent Bermuda putter. He gets back to Bermuda. Uh, you know, has played obviously of so much golf earlier in the year out on like the POA surfaces. But an excellent scrambler of the golf ball. Uh, pretty good tee to green. Really like Bez. He's really fresh. That you know, I, I'm I kind of was hoping he'd play in the players. I mean, I'm kind of bummed he didn't. But yeah, do uh, you know why he didn't? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he seems like uh, I mean he's good enough and should qualify and. Gosh, I, I just feel like that would have been uh, a good course fit. Uh, now, one other guy, like Tommy Fleetwood, uh, had a disappointing third and fourth round. I kind of like him, maybe, and maybe not being in contention kind of helps him. But uh, Brendan Todd, likely going to go back to kind of him. And again, obviously, this is early in. So if you want someone that is likely going to be in the sicko range, uh, again, don't have pricing. The last guy I'll just say early on is Max McGreevy as a big sleeper. Um, He'll be in so, sickle yeah, range. For yeah, sure. he'll definitely be uh, be in sickle <laughs> range. But yeah, what what about you? Any guys that that you're liking? Um, again, very early on a Monday night. Yeah, you, you know, I, I I can go back to I I don't. There's a few guys. The first guy that is probably going to be a little bit further down the board is Graham McDowell. Graham McDowell's mm-hmm. played some sneaky decent golf here, right? Uh, he'll be somewhat low owned. I just kind of like the way very he, low. Owned. <laughs> I just kind of like the way he plays around in Florida, and and he's been decent lately. I'll also play Shane Lowry for a lot of the reasons we spoke about. I know that he could be beat up, but I think if we talk about a guy that was kind of like made for conditions like this, um, it's it's Shane Lowry. He's creative. He's able to move the golf ball around. Uh, now, if there's drinks flowing tonight, which I'm sure there are, I don't know how how hard they went, you know, last night after the ace. Um, but I'll also go back with Brian Harmon as well. A little bit better golf course fit this week than last week for Brian Harmon. Um, good around the greens, good putter. He's He hits it a little bit further than you think. His ball striking as far as off the tee and fairways gained are a little bit less than you would think. Um, but I do like him this week. And then if we're talking up top, um jt for sure i'm in on it my favorite mm-hmm. play would probably be dj yeah I lo- you know i was I thinking like about D- you know dj i'm not worried about not seeing the golf course you know dj would i just believe and again subjective 
he he's the perfect guy just to show up to a golf course and just say like ah, it doesn't matter and then and go shoot six under. I, I like the sure. I like the momentum and I really like what Ryan had to say about answer. I had answer kind of highlighted in showdown to play, but his finish in round three kind of concerned me. And so I was so good, glad to see. I don't see how he finished up, but I saw, you know, heading into his back nine, he was uh, around two under. I'm glad to see answer getting that momentum. And I, I like that call. I, I think answer is going to, uh, you know, have a good kind of late spring, kind of early summer. And may, maybe that starts this week. So I, I like that, but I, I like, you know, JT and, uh, Shane Lowry, yeah, that's yeah. Shane I mean, Lowry I guess the top of the board is kind of not a huge deal, and I'm sure that we'll and I'll I'll post some stuff on on social media in the the next few yeah. days, kind of hinting more of what we're thinking because I know we're we don't really have pricing and whatnot, but yeah, I don't know if there's a guy at the top of the board I would fade. Again, people were so hell bent on Victor Hovland around the greens. I just see Victor Hovland play, and I just I'll play him anywhere, any oh, single yeah. place. I'll play him. It doesn't even yeah. matter to me. He's just, again, he had no reason to be in the golf tournament. And then you look up and you're like, oh, Victor Hovland snuck his name up there. And it's just like, yeah, there's, he'll, he'll get better around the greens, but that's not going to deter me from playing him anywhere, right? If ownership's decent, I will be playing lots of Victor Hovland, which I know it'll probably be a little heavy, but we'll, uh, we'll certainly see. Yeah, guy, you're just a monster, Tita Green. Well, and I hope, uh, hope our boy, uh, BK isn't listening to this, but, you know, we got March Madness coming up, and I'm I'm that's I'm gonna be preoccupied with that Thursday, Friday, and unfortunately, this is the one sporting event that takes precedent over for me at least the uh, the PGA Tour event. So I, you're a Michigan State fan, right? I'm an Ohio. <laughs> I'm an Ohio, Ohio State fan. <laughs> yeah, right. Trust me, it's all my dad went to Ohio State. Yeah, you would think that that I'd be a Michigan State fan, um, but I am an Ohio State fan. Um, so we'll uh, listen. I love March Madness. Uh, admittedly. Up until at the end of January, I just hadn't watched much, right? Like mm-hmm. kind of the end of NFL season. I don't dive right. in as much, um, but definitely have watched watched all the conference tournament action. Uh, and yeah, just what a, what a good time March Madness is, right? You can sit there mm-hmm. from from essentially eleven to noon and watch basketball until midnight. And uh, I think the first two days, the one thing for me about March Madness is I actually enjoy the first two days. Oh, yeah. So the first weekend, more than I even enjoy, like, the Final Four. Or oh, like, yeah, no doubt. You know what I mean? Like, once it gets to, like, a point, if your team's not in it, you're like, I'll check it out. But, like, those first two those first two days in your bracket and, you know, your wife chooses a better bracket who's never seen basketball right. in her life. Like, that's just – it's fun. And, and to throw a couple bucks on a game, uh, it, it makes it even better. And I know down in your neck of the woods, college basketball is a big thing. Even though you're turning into a football school, uh, you're still a basketball yeah. school. Oh yeah, but basketball first. A bit so this is a big time of year for us, and the for final sure. four is in New Orleans. Uh, last time it was in New Orleans, we won the national championship, beat Kansas. I was there. Uh, might get down to New Orleans if we go. Uh, you know, can't can't beat that. So obviously Kentucky is right my now pick sweet to win over under Sweet Sixteen. Oh, over! Oh my gosh, that's a, that's a big over. Yeah, we're. Yeah, okay. first or second round. And you know, I will say that Murray State, which is another Kentucky school, we play, we likely play them round two. They're they're sneaky, uh, but yeah, give me your pick to win it all. The job, ja Morantz, um, Gonzaga. Okay. Yeah, that- yeah. Like I, I like Chet Holmgren. I think you don't hear that often. 
Yeah, well, and and Gonzaga's hurt ever. Like Gonzaga's is a favorite a lot, but like I I'm a big Chet Holgram fan, a big seven footer that can kind of do it all. Um, I just I like them this year. Um, I like Illinois is is more of my second tier team, um, but we'll see. Those are kind of my two my two early leans. But Illinois got kind of a tougher uh, tougher uh, pull as far as the bracket goes. Oh, you'll like this. Um... I, I take off Thursday and Friday every year of the tournament and just watch it. But our club has been doing a few things the last couple of years where we have a uh, four-man scramble in the mornings and a, a Friday of the tournament. And so you play, you know, kind of shotgun start not at nine o'clock and then you're done by like one and you just get to watch all the games. It's a, it's a pretty good deal. But anyway, we'll, we'll let everybody go. This was a lighter show. Uh, yeah. So, sorry about that, but, Hope you all had a great players. Good luck at the Valspar. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Uh, take it easy. Enjoy your Monday night. Do something you want to do. We'll see you later.